The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Today, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, and please let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, A Vision of Hope. For many of us in addiction recovery, life can seem hopeless, especially in the beginning. After all, we chose to deal with our lives' difficulties with a behavior or substance meant to numb the pain. Take that away, and yes, life can certainly feel hopeless, but we hold a vision of hope and we find a wonderful new life on the other side of addiction, one that we would not trade for anything. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on holding a vision of hope and finding our way through the tough times. So we'll begin today by sharing our experiences of discouragement, what that felt like. Then we'll move into the solution of a vision of hope. And after the break, we'll share exactly how a vision of hope helped us move from discouragement to happiness. So Dan, what was your experience of that feeling of discouragement? Well, I think it showed up in in several different ways and certainly it was not a new experience for me right but you know having having used um, alcohol to kind of try to counteract it uh, for so long and all of a sudden being without it sort of left me open to I don't know if it was more often or you know more intense or whatever uh, feelings of feeling down or discouraged but one thing I remember is you know after all this um, was a lot of upheaval around my uh, getting sober and I did do a um, residential program for a month. And so, I mean, it was a big shift, big deal. You know, everything wasn't at work. Um, Everybody knew what was going on. And, and when I got back and I was, you know, beginning my new sober life, I still had to go to work. I still had to pay the bills. I still had to do the dishes. (laughs) Like this is, I shouldn't, I don't know what I thought should happen, but (laughs) 
if it was a movie, it would not be like that. Right. right? If it was a movie, some amazing, wonderful thing would happen, right? And I'd go on a book tour about how amazing I am because I quit drinking or some crap like that, you know. Some something other than just regular life. Regular life. Um, yeah. Now I'll add that uh, I, regular life maybe then seemed like something bad. I love it now. You know, I see the depth of um, and all the joys in what I might call a quote regular life. Nothing wrong with that. But then, you know, same old, same old. I guess is how I might sum that up. Yeah, there are certainly a lot of changes occurring in early recovery when we get sober. It's a whole new life, you know, and um, it's interesting because, like you said, our lives go on with the mundane, you know, the daily things, and but we feel so changed, right? We feel like our whole life has just changed. Yeah. And because, um, yeah, because, you know, it's such a big change for us. Like I remember just thinking like my whole world had changed. How come everybody else is going on? Like nothing has happened, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, don't realize <laughs> right. that the entire universe has shifted. Yeah, exactly. And that's that self-centeredness, you know, that, uh, certainly characterized my, uh, early recovery and sometimes still does, um, thinking that because I've experienced this big shift, everyone else should be experiencing it too. And so I think that that was definitely one of the challenges for me was just, um, you know, life doesn't slow down. It doesn't stop. I was in the, I was in my last semester of graduate school when I got sober. So um, I didn't have a lot of time to, you know, contemplate what was happening. I had to keep moving forward and maybe that was a blessing in some ways, but it was, it was a, uh, overwhelming to me to I mean I was 24 years old so it was overwhelming to me to think what a lifetime of sobriety at that point might look like that just felt really huge I mean when you're 24 you can't even imagine being 30 right much less thinking I'm never going to drink again and you know all those things of like oh I won't be able to drink at my wedding and I don't know why everybody thinks that but that's something every every newcomer I've heard they always say that you know that that's like the first thing that occurs to us is for like all we're doing is drinking at weddings I don't know it's a strange thing but it's that idea of looking forward to these future events and thinking like how am I going to do all of that without alcohol and so for me it felt really big and that was discouraging. You know, it just felt like monumental, like such a huge change. And it really was a huge change. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I can totally identify. I'm glad you said that because it hadn't occurred to me. But it's to, it's absolutely there for me as well. That just that feeling of, you know, I'll call it the never, never quote. Yeah. Meaning, quotes. Never. I'll never be able to do this. La, la, la. You know, I always have to do that. And I don't I didn't have a particular like event in mind or whatever, but just sort of like feeling generally discouraged that like as if, you know, my best friend died or something. We used to hang out every day. Uh, something like that. You know, just the loss. Is yes. Oh, yes. Of, uh, a sense of loss um certainly led to discouragement and it was a you know it was hard to put my finger on that loss i you know i wasn't super articulate with what was going on with me and i was newly sober so my mind was not really working yeah. uh, very well there for quite a while 
Um, so I didn't really have awareness around it. I mean, I could feel it, but I don't know that I would have been able to characterize or articulate it. But just, you know, the, a feeling of loss and the feeling down, I guess. You know, we're talking about discouragement, but I think any kind of feeling down um, fits under that heading for me. And that would certainly be part of it, you know, realizing um, or just maybe getting a little bit stuck in the I'll never be able to. You know, right. it's just another kind of self-centered pity party, of course. Yeah. Uh, but a very common one from what I understand. And I was uh, certainly spent my time in that place as well. I'm, I'm glad to have seen that go away a long time ago. I'm really glad you mentioned grief. Uh, because folks that are listening may be early in recovery, and there really is a grief that occurs. And even though it's a positive change that we're making in our lives, that doesn't mean that there isn't grief involved. And, you know, uh, any change in life involves the death of something and the re- and the birth of something new. And so, you know, in in Robert Brummett style. Uh, those all of those changes need to be grieved in order for us to be able to move through them. And so I, I remember that too, that feeling, because for me, alcohol was like, you know, I had this idea. Do you remember the old beer commercials when like all the friends were sitting together at the bar and they're all beautiful and they're laughing <laughs> and they're so happy or they're all on a boat, you know? And oh, yeah. I don't even know if they have those commercials anymore, but um, that was what I wanted when I was drinking, that's what I was trying to attain was that feeling of being among friends and just having fun and that carefree feeling. And so when I gave up alcohol, it was like, wow, there was real grief there that 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 vision wasn't going to be not that it ever really was, but <laughs> that that wasn't going to be my life anymore. And so um, that's just something that I needed to move through. You know, the other thing was, I don't think I realized how much my life revolved around alcohol. And so, uh, you know, just pondering even what to do next, what to do with myself was a little overwhelming because um, I had I had made so many choices based on alcohol, you know, going to events if alcohol would be involved, going out with friends as long as we were going to be drinking, not choosing activities and events that didn't involve alcohol. So it was, you know, it was a little overwhelming, but also opened up a whole new world to me as well. I like that image that you mentioned about the commercials because, yeah, I mean... <laughs> They're definitely selling uh, an Im- image of that. And yes. I-, I remember that, you know, it's like, um, I-, I don't know if I ever thought that that would be me, but it, it gets into you yeah. anyway, though, even if it doesn't make sense. It's like, oh, me and all my other ridiculously good looking wealthy friends are going to hang around. <laughs> Whose yacht? Whose yacht are we meeting on this Friday? <laughs> I know what you mean. This This life is like amazing and wonderful and Yeah, that's a big lie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had times, uh, another, you know, thinking about discouragement or feeling down, times of feeling angry, right? Because alcohol was sort of, um, you know, would temper or it's a depressant, right? So it's it's sort of, even though at times it can make us vivacious, right? In general, it dulls um, our emotions, it dulled my emotions. And so when I quit drinking, um, it was seemed like a you know maybe a new a door was opened or something where 
at times in the past when I might not have got angry, I get angry for no reason that I could understand. So just emotional ups and downs, I think. And, And that is, can, you know, I guess it was disconcerting would be the world. Not really worrisome, but just like, oh man, what's going on? What's my deal? I, you know, I don't really like this. I feel untethered. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I feel disconnected. I don't know what's happening. I don't think I like, I'm uncomfortable. That's yeah. the thing. And I don't like being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's, that was a big part of it. You know, I think that one of the most discouraging things for me was when I found out that removing alcohol didn't automatically fix a lot of my other problems. (laughs) I was quite discouraged to find out that um, I still had a lot of the same interpersonal and relationship issues. I mean, certainly pouring alcohol on top of it, you know, wasn't helping. So removing that maybe took down the uh, crazy level just a little bit. But it was extremely discouraging for me to find out that now I still had those same issues, but I couldn't drink over them or through them. That was really tough. You know, I kind of thought that if I stopped drinking, that my relationships were suddenly going to be sane and, you know, healthy. And uh, when I found myself in a pretty toxic relationship in my first year of sobriety, that was quite discouraging to me and, you know, overwhelming at that point, because it meant that there was so much more that I had to unravel and there was so much more work I had to do. Looking back now, I know that getting sober was just the tip of the iceberg. And that was what needed to happen first before I could even begin to address those underlying issues. But it was a bit of a wake up call for me to find that, um, you know, all of my issues were still alive and well even though I was no longer pouring alcohol on top of them. And then I was also now feeling everything, you know. The grass still grew and the dishes still got dirty and all of that. It reminds me of that old saying, um, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Uh After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You know, I wanted like book tour and royalty (laughs) Just for being me, you know, just for being so, so awesome. Well, now that, now that we know about this challenge of discouragement or we have revisited that neighborhood, (laughs) what is the solution in unity? We affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes, and unity spiritual principles are all oriented toward a deeper understanding of and relationship with the divine. We acknowledge the presence and the power of God in and through and around and as us. We know that as we lean into divine wisdom, we are lifted from old limitations. And it's in our third unity principle that we can find some guidance about holding a vision of a better future. That principle reads, we are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. And that's what we want to focus on today. But what does it mean to uh, hold a vision, as we're saying? How, how does doing that help us? I know I've had times when it seemed like no matter what I did, nothing changed. But even so, somehow life did get much better. What is going on here? So, Michelle, when you think about holding a vision of hope, that's what we're kind of calling the way out of A, you know, one of the paths forward, holding a vision of hope. What does that look like for you? Boy, well, I'll tell you, in early, early recovery, um, the group was so important. And folks that had 
some the wisdom of some time, you know, behind them and um, some experience in recovery, the things that they said to me were very helpful. You know, people would say to me, it's going to just get better and better. And, um, you know, I believed that if they said it and it was happening for them, then it must be true, you know, and people would say, you know, don't give up before the miracle or expect a miracle and those things you know because it was that's the wonderful thing about the group process is because i could see the program working in other people's lives that gave me that vision of hope for myself now if i had nothing to you know no model nothing to look to look toward um you know, in terms of how life could be, then I don't think I would have been able to find that hope. But that's the wonderful thing about people with one day of recovery coming into a group with people with 30 days, I mean, 30, 30 years, 30 days, 30 years of recovery. And, um, and that modeling that we do for one another of what life can be like. And I just believed when people said that it would get better and better. And that has been true for me. Thank God. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, so many things come to mind. Holding a vision of hope is, uh, I'm realizing something that I have done and and do and did uh, individually, but also it it quickly to me becomes a communal thing, right? I don't think I could sustain holding a vision or like you know using seeing in my mind's eye a life that's so much better. Yeah. I don't think I could sustain that without. Um, a community of, of I don't know, like-minded people. Sometimes it didn't seem we were that like-minded, but we were definitely fellow travelers. Yeah. I know, I know that that is true. And uh, so, to hold a vision of hope for me kind of has both an inner and an outer component. The inner component could, you know, literally be like a, a visioning exercise. I'm, I'm using my imagination. I'm just going to make up how awesome my life could be based on what I think I'm seeing in, in other people. And that's a very wonderful place to start. You know, anything that ever existed, existed first in the realm of mind, right? So when sometimes the word imagination gets a bad rap because we think it means, Oh, that's just something that you fabricated that has no basis in reality and could never have any basis in reality. And that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, um, imagining the future that I would like to experience and using that as a guide, right, to find my way to that very experience. So there's the inner piece and then there's the outer piece, which is, I don't know, maybe community like we're talking about, but also uh, there's an element of taking action in it. So I can hold a vision of hope in one way that I support that vision, for example, is I um, use prayer specifically around it. So maybe in the morning, uh, I have prayer of gratitude and hope, and in the evening, um, same thing. And and that helps me clarify and express and, um, you know, kind of make it more real by taking an action, even if that action is something subtle like prayer. So holding a vision of hope is got a, you know it's at least a few different kinds of things but for me it begins with uh, an imagined future and then um, you know sharing that uh, I don't mean sharing it like talking about it with others I mean being in fellowship with others 
uh, as I hold that vision and taking steps toward it as best I can, you know, whatever. Right. I don't, clearly I didn't need to know how all of this worked in order to experience it over time, right? I just had to keep showing up. Yes. Well, I was so fortunate when I was about maybe a year, year and a half into recovery, I found unity and, um, unity was just such a, just changed my entire way of seeing the world because it was so positive. Now, sometimes we get a bad rap for being Pollyanna, but I think that's folks that don't quite understand what our positive outlook on life means. It doesn't mean that everything is wonderful or perfect all the time. It means that we understand that third principle. We understand that what we hold in our consciousness is what tends to outpicture in our lives. And so by holding a positive outlook as much as possible, that is what we, in effect, manifest in our lives. And this was a whole new idea to me. You know, I, I came from a more cynical type of background, you know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket type of thing. And, um, you know, coming into unity, I started getting my head filled with ideas that, you know, the world is, uh, is a friendly place. The universe is a friendly place. All things are working together for you. You know, this, this one power and one presence that we call God wants good for you. There, there is a force in the universe that loves you unconditionally and wants good things for you. That was totally new to me. And that's really what gave me hope. It was, it's hard for me to even describe how huge of a change in worldview that was for me. And I, because I, I was trying to think, you know, before the program, where does this hope that I have come from? And I really think it comes from that. It's, it's a framework for how I view the universe. And it's a choice. I do believe it to be true, but it's also a choice. You know, um, Einstein, I think, said that we can either choose to live as if the universe is a friendly place or that it's not a friendly place. And I choose to believe that the universe is a friendly place and that my life has some purpose and some forward momentum and that all things are working together for my highest expression of good and, um, you know, getting more of God's goodness into expression. And those are the things that give me hope because it's a framework for how I view my life in the context, in the bigger context, you know, that I'm not just here for nothing. I'm not just ambling through life aimlessly. It all has a purpose and um, there is a forward, upward, expansive, progressive movement to my life. And that's really where my hope comes from. I'm with you on that, and I'm reminded as you share that about the power of intention, right? The power of setting an intention. I'm realizing that that's part of it. I mean, even before I can hold a vision of hope, I have to set the intention to be successful in this, even if I don't know what that looks like or how that could possibly happen. But I intend for sobriety to work in my life. I intend to have a good and happy life, even if I don't know how that's possible. And having set that intention, you know, intentions seem like they're made of feathers and air, like how they're not, they're nothing, right? They're just a wisp of a thought, but I have found them to be some of the most powerful um, components of spirituality and spiritual growth, because when I set an intention, it 
it sets a precedent for where my focus is going to go. And where my focus goes, that's where my mind and my life go. So setting an intention that this is going to work and I am going to uh, enjoy my life. And these people who have, you know, been sober for 5, 10, 20, 30 years or whatever, um, who are doing well, hey, they did it. You know, and trust me, they're not perfect. I know because they told me in the meetings, they told everyone, you know, all the <laughs> stupid things that they've done too. And so clearly this is just another human being making their way in the world. And I can do that too. Yeah. I remember um, very early on, I think it must have been in the context of the uh, treatment. I, and I was really surprised how many severely resistant people were there paying a lot of money to be in treatment for um, alcohol, alcoholism, who were, I guess, looking back, I see clearly in denial about having a problem, resentful about being there and very down on 12-step, right? Mm -hmm. They were completely convinced it was a bunch of crap, it doesn't work, it's a cult, you know, all that stuff that you hear from um, either outsiders or people who never quite could, it never clicked, uh, what it is we're doing and what it means and what it doesn't mean. And uh, what I decided, I distinctly remember deciding, you know, some had quoted some statistic, Lord knows where they got it. You know, only, only, uh, you know, 15 or 20 or whatever percent of, of people who do 12 step are, are sober a year later. I'm like, all right, well that, that I'm going to be one of them. That's right. Yeah. That's what that, it just immediately told me, Okay, I wasn't saying, oh, I wonder where I'm randomly going to fall. Right. Oh, I need to be over here with this, this group. I'm there. Done. Yeah. I am there. And that's exactly what happened. And later, someone quoted an even thinner statistic, like 5% or something like that. And I remember thinking, oh, my stock is going up. I used to only <laughs> be one of 20. Now I'm, one, now, you know, now I'm in, the, in the fifth percentile, rock on with my bad self. Yeah. I, but once again, my point is, I was like, oh, only, only five out of 100? Well, then I'm one of the five, Yeah. period. Exactly. You know, and that's a way to lay the groundwork for holding a vision of hope. You know, the hope being things are going to get better. Things are getting better and they're going to get even better. You know, life is wonderful and it's getting better all the time. And I can absolutely affirm today with great confidence that my best days are ahead of me. Yes, absolutely. I think I've said on this program before, we have a saying in our church, um, the good is now, the rest is blessed, and the best is yet to be. Love and um, we affirm that every week. And that really helps drive that home and keep that, you know, front and center for me that life is always getting better. I can affirm that with you also. Um, for those who maybe aren't aren't sure that that's the case. It certainly has been the case for me and for countless others. So you just hold on and it just gets better and better. It does. Well, let us hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. We hope that you'll please stay with us. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. Indeed, we are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellinch. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first that discouragement that we felt in early recovery, that sense of overwhelm, and then we moved into talking about a vision of hope and what that means to us. So Dan, now that we know that the challenge was being discouraged and the solution was that vision of hope, how did that work? How did that vision of hope lead you from discouragement to happiness? Well, One way I noticed that it functions and, you know, even in my notes, I had sort of written this in past tense, but as you mentioned earlier, I'm realizing this is not just past tense. This I'm, I'm, it might be that I'm just so used to living this way now that I don't think about it that much. And and I think back and it seems like I'm talking about the past because it was new then. I don't know, but I'm still doing it, you know, and it works. It worked then and it still works. So I'm thinking, you know, how does, how does holding a vision of hope, um, you know, lead to higher expressions and experiences of joy in the world? And one way that it does is it gives me a focus point, right? So I talked before the break about effectively um, making a decision, right? I made a decision um, to move forward in this way, just like one of the early steps says I made a decision. And so now I have, it's not so much a goal. I mean, I guess I could see it as a goal, but a goal feels like something that can be achieved. This is more like a focus point that will always remind me which direction is is forward. You know, it's not about attaining or reaching any particular point or place. It's about knowing the direction to move in. So holding a vision of hope helps me because it gives me something to focus on um, as I continue to move and and grow and life continues to unfold and and get better. Yes. So I I love that, that that holding that vision of hope gives us, um, you know, a direction for our life to go in. One thing that has happened to me is that Um, Well, first I came to believe, right? And I came to believe in a loving, unconditionally loving God that wants only the best for me. And then I sought to align my will um, and my life with that same desire. So sometimes for me, it's learning to want for myself what I believe God wants for me. So it's like, I believe that God wants my full expression as a human being, wants me to blossom and flourish and express God's goodness into the world um, and be happy and, you know, content and fulfilled while doing it. Now I have to want that for myself, right? So it's, it's seeking to have that high, that highest vision for myself and for my own life. Um, And sometimes that might sound obvious, but it's not always obvious, you know. Um, I had to really learn how this third principle works in unity, that 
what I expect is what I'm going to get and how high I aim is how high I'm going to go. And so, yes, there are there are steps to be taking taken actual action to be taken. But part of the work for me is holding is is getting to that higher consciousness, getting to where I want a wonderful life for myself. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know, it's just. Uh, wanting that highest vision for myself so that then I can aim for that. I don't know if that does that make sense? It does make sense to okay. me. Maybe because you and I have been to some of the same yeah. lo locations. I don't know. But yeah, I totally get that. And I, I imagine that uh, any who are listening who have um, been or are starting even a, a sobriety path would begin to see exactly what that means. You know, it reminded me of, um, of a, a saying I heard from the great theologian, Mr. Rogers, who said, <laughs> yes. Fred Rogers said, there is a loving mystery at the heart of the universe just yearning to be expressed. Yes. I mean, that is a beautiful statement of hope Absolutely. and um, a truth and you know, that's the kind of thing where, like you shared earlier, that is how I want to see. That is how I, that's the universe I want to live in, put it that way. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I realized that rather than sort of trying to discover what was, you know, underlying truth, a, a big part of it is deciding, you know, it's again setting and intention because whatever it is that I'm carrying around in my consciousness, that's what I'm going to yes. get more of in the world, right? That's what I'm going to encounter. So I love the idea that there is a loving mystery at the heart of the universe and holding that as a vision. I mean, that right there could be a vision statement Right, yes. that I could use and it could become a prayer, like I was saying. So I could take an action. I could repeat that in the morning and, and maybe put it on a card and, and read it in the evening as well. Um, and just keep keep coming back, you know, so to speak, to that. Uh, uh, something I heard in the rooms that helped me with all this is time takes time, yes. right? That there's no hurry. That's that's been a critical piece of it. You know, how does how does a vision of hope help me move to happiness? Well, it it, it helps each step along the way, right. right? And part of my challenge was, uh, you know, I I sort of as uh, turning to something like alcohol took the path of instant gratification in a way. So, you know, when you when you take a, a drink a glass of wine or, or a shot or, or drink a beer or whatever, you feel it pretty quickly. And so there's this sort of instant shift and, yeah. and sober living, you know, living uh, in this way doesn't have that same attribute. It's so much better right. than that for me. So, so much better because the downside of that, of course, is it's very shallow right? It doesn't last. It's not, it doesn't change me, right? It just changes how my body feels for a period of time. It affects my mood for a period of time. But, um, you know, living a God-centered life runs all the way to the very core of yes. creation. And that is a really different 
uh, thing to do. So holding a vision like like Fred Rogers had expressed there so beautifully of a loving mystery at the heart of the universe, that just, it sets the tone for me, I guess. You yeah, know, it, absolutely. It's, it says, here's what, here's what is real in the world and it's good and I'm going to be a part of it. Yes, exactly. And, you know, frankly, that's not the way a large portion of the world believes or works. You know, there's a lot of cynicism, a lot of negativity out there. So there have been times in recovery when for me, it felt like swimming upstream, like I was trying to hold this positivity and all around me was a lot of negativity. And so it can be tough, but it's a choice to choose to live that way, you know, and I love that, 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 the. At, what say it again? The heart of uh, yeah, a, I have trouble remembering a it. loving mystery. It a loving mystery at the heart of the but universe. But the second part so of it was that wanting yearning, to be expressed, yearning, yearning to be expressed, yearning even. to be expressed. So yeah. that is the framework through which that's my cosmology right there. Yeah, that's, me too. That's the framework for my life. Is that this loving? whatever it is that we call God wants to express in the universe and wants to express through me. That's, that's the important personal part, right? Is that it wants to express through me. So once I choose, the way this works for me is that once I choose to see my life through that framework, then I believe that every single thing that happens is moving me towards that, right? So it's sort of a way of seeing my whole life's unfoldment. Um, and it's that intention, that setting that intention, whether or not it's true, I, I personally believe it to be very true, capital T true, but whether or not it's true, if that's what I hold in my consciousness, then that's the life I'm going to experience. So I choose to believe that. And then everything that happens in my life is in service to that. It's like we talk about missions, you know, the, our, our church's mission. That's sort of my mission is that I'm going to be that expression, um, that loving mystery that wants to express. So everything that happens is in service to that and is moving me towards that. So the way that helps me is then I can stay more in the present and I don't have to worry so much because I believe that everything is unfolding in my life in perfect divine order. It may not look like it at the time. There may be some circuitousness to my path, but I believe that that is the general direction of my life. And so I can trust that. And when things happen in my life that don't seem like they're moving in that direction, I trust that it's all part of the bigger picture. So for me, it's been really helpful to try as much as possible to stay in the present. And I can stay in the present because I know the bigger picture, if that makes sense. I know my life is moving in that direction, so I don't have to get out there in the future and worry about how it's all going to unfold because I know it is all going to unfold. I'm with you on that. You know, there's this idiom in English, seeing is believing, mm -hmm. um, but it also works the other way around. Believing is seeing, and that actually better describes the you know, what I think about, what I think of as the, uh, you know, the up, the world of spirituality in many ways is upside down from the material world. And the kingdom of God that Jesus taught about is an upside down kingdom yes. uh, compared to typical power structures amongst humans that, that we create. And, and it totally fits that something is true when you're talking about in the spiritual realm, in the non-material, something is true when I realize, which also means decide, 
that it's true. That's upside down and backwards from, say, the material world of science. You know, science, the, the, the natural world doesn't work how it works because I believe it does. Uh-huh. It works how it works, and I can observe it and right. discover it. And I know that for me, my mind kind of got stuck there because that's the only um, kind of reality I could uh, conceive of. Yeah. That it was there and I had to figure it out right. kind of look, which is the way science works. And that's um, yeah. good and right and wonderful. But in the in the absolute, in the realm of the spirit, in the, in the um, non-physical reality that is the realm of consciousness, say, or the realm of spirit, many things are backwards and believing is seeing. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's and if if you're hearing me say this and it sounds crazy, don't worry. You don't have to believe what I'm saying. You can experience it for yourself. Yeah. Watch watch where your mind goes. That's where your life goes. And so, a vision of hope once again gives me, I guess, a couple of things. Now that I'm taking in what you had shared, it gives me a direction for my life, but it gives me a a, uh, you know, a, a kind of faith, I guess it is, a, a way, a knowing that th- this is, this will work. This yes. is working. This is reliable, um, more so than any person, you know, more so than just about anything else, and that that this can work. And when I, when I have this concept of where I want my life to go, and it can be it can be vague as long as I can feel it, right? It's a it's a wonderful, warm place to be. It can be uh, as simple as that, or or like Mister Rogers said, or the the loving mystery at the heart of the universe. I can just hold on to that, and that helps me um, to move forward. And then as I make decisions, like I I'm not going to be afraid uh, all the time in this or that. Mm-hmm. And as I make that decision i set an intention like i talked about in the first half of the show and when i do that lo and behold seemingly out of nowhere some kind of weird miracle i don't understand my life experience begins to align yes with that intention yeah whoa yeah. that's weird yeah and it works though it i really mean I've, does. I've literally built a life on that yeah, just as an aside, it's interesting that you were saying how science sort of works the opposite. Like they they have to observe it to believe it, and um, yeah. you know, and that it just is. These these things just are, and we can observe them. But I don't know much about this, but just the little bit that I know is that I think science is beginning to shift a little bit with such things as quantum physics, seeing that the very act of observing observing things actually begins to change them and that it may not be as black and white as science would like to think you know that that we we do have uh, a huge influence on how things work you know that that power of intention that power of our minds is very powerful and actually does have an effect both near and far you know that we can actually affect things that are happening at a distance with our mind that's that's essentially what prayer is right so um things aren't quite as black and white as science would have them be and i think that you know over the next 
era that's going to be discovered more and more. It, it, it's essentially going to be confirming what we in unity have believed for a long time, you know, that we do exert, uh, that we, we exert some, you know, influence over our reality, that our reality is shaped by our consciousness, that it all begins in consciousness. And um, that's both the good news and the bad news. I mean, right? Mostly I think it's that's the good true. News. I like that you said that because I hadn't been thinking about that, but I think you're absolutely right because as scientists dig deeper and deeper and smaller and smaller into the nature of physical reality, things are yeah. starting to get really weird. Yes. They do not follow Newtonian physics yes. at the subatomic level. And I imagine what we're going to find, and it's kind of what you're saying, that you get down into that level of reality, and now what we're talking about doesn't look so crazy anymore yeah. because, wait a second, things are getting really strange down here. <laughs> And, and I, I'm going to guess that they're going to converge at some point in the future. I don't even know. But yeah. yes, I can affirm that with you. What I talked about probably best described as Newtonian physics yeah. in that realm of observation. But yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So how does holding this vision lead us to a life of happiness? Um, like I talked about, staying in the present and trusting God, trusting that things are unfolding in my life the way they should. Um, not that they are going to all happen without my participation or my intervention. I've got to be constantly vigilant as to what is in my consciousness. You know, and when I see things out picturing in my life that aren't what I want, then rather than going and trying to fix those things out there, I've got to go and fix them in here and find out what is happening in my consciousness. What old, worn out, you know, no longer serving me beliefs are banging around in there that are still out picturing. And it's not always fun. It's hard work. But the great thing is the universe is always giving us information about what's in our consciousness, right? If I look around at my life, I can basically see what is in my consciousness. Um, and so when things are not as I want them to be, or they're painful or difficult, I know that that's the universe showing me my next assignment, where I need to go and work. Um, and as I change the uh, inner, as I change what is within, then it outpictures in the outer. And that has really been true in my life. Um, like I say, it's both the good news and the bad news. It's the bad news because it means we can't just say, okay, God fix my life and sit back on the sofa and wait for it to happen. It's the good news because it means I can do something about it and I can, I can affect change in my life. I can create that life of happiness that I want. Now it's not happy, happy. Everything's wonderful all the time. That's not, I think that's clear that that's not the type of happiness you and I are talking about. We're talking right. about a happiness that is deeply rooted in Joy. a life of meaning and substance and having meaningful work and knowing that we're making a difference and knowing that, you know, we're constantly evolving upward and forward and we're getting better and better and getting closer and closer to, uh, you know, to being that pure expression of that loving mystery into the universe. Yeah, I'm reminded of the uh, the word co-create yes. that we have used a lot in unity because we, you know, we work with these principles. Um, 
we work with the spiritual nature of God in the universe as we understand it, and we co-create this life um, that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm remembering one of the many sayings that I heard in the recovery rooms: uh, "Don't quit before the miracle." Yep. To me, that's an important part of this because I can hold a vision and I can, you know, even like get excited and feel very hopeful about holding a vision. But if, uh, if other people's experience is anything like mine, it doesn't just, you know, stay, um, positive feeling all the time right. because the, the, the healing, the road to healing is a road through, the exact difficulties that caused the injury in the first place, right? Yeah. I've got to revisit that stuff and not from a distance either, right? It's yeah. going to be right in my face, exactly yes. where it was when I unknowingly made decisions early in my life of how to respond to that. You know, it's going to leave the same way it went in, right? If I drink, if I drink some poison and my body rejects it, it's not just going to evaporate from my skin, right? It's coming out the same way it went in and I'm not going to like it, yeah. right? And then that's a healing path. But don't quit before the miracle because when yes. that happens, when I can let go of something, when uh, when my vision, when I really feel like that my vision is, is has helped me in healing a piece of my life, then I really get what that saying means. Don't quit before the miracle. The first miracle, as we've talked about before, is when the craving for alcohol left, right? I mean, that's a big thing. I don't mean to minimize that. That's huge. But there's another miracle and another and another. And so don't quit before the miracle is not a one and done kind of thing, right? Exactly. It's a keep, it's a keep coming back kind of thing, which is another saying that I think ties directly to this. Uh, I, I hold a vision of hope and I keep doing that. I keep coming back to that vision of hope. You know, I persevere and I persist and it comes to be. Deep breath, everybody. Okay, we've we've said a whole lot about this topic. So let, if we can, step way back and see if we can find a simple way to sum it up, or at least some simple takeaways, some steps forward. So, uh, Reverend Michelle, could you, in a nutshell, share some simple steps or maybe a simple approach to holding a vision of hope and the changes that come about, but mainly about holding that vision? Well, I'm still on what you were saying about don't quit before the miracle. And I didn't know what that meant at first, but now exactly as you said, um, I've learned that that miracle is always being reborn over and over into my life. It's kind of like what we're about to celebrate here in what, a week or 10 days? Um, that miracle of that, you know, that infinite unconditional love being born over and over into the universe. And so that miracle just keeps happening. Now, if you can frame your life that way, then that's all you need to know, you know, just holding on to that miracle and knowing that it's going to get better and better. What comes to mind for me, if I were going to try and sort of sum this up into something that would fit on a post-it note, keep it simple. <laughs> I haven't talked about yeah. that, but keep it simple. I mean, it, it actually, when I think about all that we shared, it, it feels like it does get complicated, or at least my explanations can get complicated. But really, all of this is very simple underneath it. So if I just keep it simple, um, things can go well. Uh, I say make it active. 
right? As I shared about, it's not just something that I carry in my head, although I do that. That is an important part of it. I might have an image that I return to, for example. But I make it active by doing things like creating a, a prayer practice. It can be as simple as a morning and an evening prayer. It could be as simple as repeating uh, what Mr. Rogers had said in the yes. morning or the evening, whatever it is that helps me remember. Um, also, and, and we didn't talk about it that much on this uh, show, but we have talked about it a lot. Stay in touch with other people who are doing Absolutely. the same thing, yes. right? I could never have done this alone. Yeah. Right. So I stay in touch with people, specifically people who have what I want. You know, I'm feeling all wigged out and there's this guy that's always at the meeting. He just seems calm and cool. Uh, how did he get there? I want that. Yeah. So I should hang around with that guy and listen to what he says, you know, show up at meetings, um, work with a sponsor, all those uh, typical sounding steps. Yes. Surround yourself with people who are also expecting a miracle. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, as always, we like to give you an affirmation to solidify all of this. And our affirmation today is in partnership with the God of my understanding. I step out in faith to create a life of happiness. And once again, in partnership with the God of my understanding, I step out in faith to co-create a life of happiness. That's it in a, in a sense, uh, in a nutshell. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we are very grateful that you have. We really hope that you found something in all of our prattling that will be genuinely helpful to you on your own recovery journey. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our fun and spirited discussion and the laughs. And uh, thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, as always, you can connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and give us your thoughts and comments and feedback. And as always, we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please don't drink like my co-host. <laughs> Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.